0: Welcome back, horror fans, to the Weekend Horror Podcast. This week, we're covering select horror films released November 29th through December 5th. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Eugene, and with me always is Alex and JL. What's happening?
1: Hey, hey, everybody. So
0: we were talking about a live show update, right?
1: Yes. So uh, we have uh, plans to take the show live. So um, we think... Tentatively, we're not going to present this in stone. We think tentatively we're going to kick off December with a live show. So we may or may not be able to get it out. Uh, we we haven't decided. So we're either going to go live on Wednesday the second of December, or we're uh it might be a week after that. I'm not hundred percent sure. Still nailing a couple things down. So, but we're hoping to do it at least either kick off December or in September. We will be taking the the show live. We're going to do it. We're just going to fuck it, fuck it, do it live, like Bill O'Reilly. F- fuck know? it. <laughs> <laughs> so we had such an excellent response to uh our season finale, and we did that live as the first time. I think we got all the kinks out. We're more familiar with the the process of doing a live show. I think it'll work really, really well, and it'll be fun. We'll get to interact with everybody, and we'll get to you know see our listeners and. You know, maybe do a giveaway or two, or something. I don't know. Maybe do trivia. I'm not. I don't know. I just want to play it by ear. But it'll be really cool to see everybody listening at the same time. We'll see what we kind of a. Uh, we we'll see if any of our horror fans want to jump over there and join us. But it'll be on the weekend horror youtube channel we will do that live and uh hopefully we'll see everybody there when we go on you'll get if you're subscribed to us you'll get the notification
0: and see what would be awesome is because i know we we talk about like our call to actions and questions we ask it would be cool like in the middle of an episode people actually responding we can go back and go oh yeah that is the best uh, john carpenter film or the best kill or something like that so it would be awesome sitting here interacting with everybody
1: yes that would be very cool
0: we want to talk to
2: you
1: Talk to us, talk to us, because we only talk to each other.
2: (laughs) And Alex's bird, (laughs) Alex's bird, she she wants in tonight, guys.
1: (laughs) So, Uh, but I think uh like
0: so, Bird, go ahead and take it off. (laughs) Beep.
1: I think that'll be a lot of fun. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm a little nervous, but I am looking forward to it. But, uh, you yeah, know, I mean, we've been doing this long enough. I think it's time that we take the next step and, uh, and really, really put, some, put something out there that people can enjoy. And then, of course, we'll just, you know, everybody who listens only on Sundays, we will take the audio off of the live podcast and we'll we'll trim it up, make it, make it nice and clean. And we'll go and throw it on Sundays. As normal, so that that will remain the same. It's just instead of on Wednesday nights recording the actual show that you get on Sundays, we'll just take it live on YouTube. We'll talk about the upcoming week, and then of course we'll just drop it on Sunday. But I think this should be this will be fun. It's yeah, you know, this will be, be it's cool. going
0: to be really fun. And for those of you who you can't make it to the actual live show, it will still be up on YouTube, so you can always come in and watch afterwards.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, that'll be fun
0: if you want to, you
1: know. I'd also like to like to announce that we have a new shirt on yes. our Teespring, and it is a limited edition shirt. <laughs> I had to make this bad boy limited edition. This was really really cool. So I got together with uh, Johnny O from over at the Plot Hole, and Johnny put me in touch with uh, his artist, the artist that does all of the poster work for the Plot Hole. is a really 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 talented guy named Joshua Olson. Uh, he kicked ass. And uh, gave us, I just kind of gave him a rudimentary idea of what I wanted, or I gave him a couple of ideas. He went with, the, I think, I think he went with what he thought was the best one, and created a badass limited edition shirt that uh, I have, that we have dropped in price down to the bare minimum on our Teespring. So normally Teespring, you know, t-shirts there can run anywhere between twenty two and twenty five dollars. This one is the bare minimum; it's only fourteen ninety nine. Um, it's literally almost. It's I think it's just a hair above the uh, the retail cost of it so and i just because i want to get some of them out there because they're so cool and i wanted to share them i wanted to make them available and uh i just can't deny them. they're freaking they're freaking amazing so uh definitely check out our teespring our teespring store week in horror and you could check out we not only we also have the official season one art shirt we have the season two art shirt and of course this limited edition one um which features uh zombified me <laughs> which is pretty, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but I, the artwork is amazing. Alex is in you know, perfect form. Um, I think you guys will totally dig it. So uh, definitely check that out. Teespring.com slash Week in Horror. Yeah, I think it's, it's Teespr- Teespring, teespring.com slash stores slash Week in Horror is what it is. But yeah, the links will be in the in the description. But uh, that'll be cool. I hope some people get those for uh, for Christmas. That'll be really, really neat.
2: That's You know what? Thanksgiving, we're recording this on Wednesday. Thanksgiving's tomorrow. If you're thankful for us, Maybe think about going and grabbing
1: one. We're thinking yes, Yes. Yes.
0: absolutely. They'll make great gifts. They are fun, and like I said, just it helps support us. The shirts are awesome. I know I'm giving them away for as Christmas presents, whether people want it or not, they're getting it anyway. (laughs) So definitely go ahead and pick up one.
1: You know that that's that's something to be said. Alex just brought it up, and it's a really really good point. Um, That tomorrow we're recording this on Wednesday. This is the 25th. And tomorrow is Thanksgiving, so uh, I know that I'll be spending it. I and Angela will be spending it with our friends. Um, I know, Alex, you got all you got like the whole brood in the house, don't you? A
2: couple, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, are you going somewhere for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving tomorrow, or
2: no? We're we're sticking around here. Actually, it, like even my my parents went up to my uh, my sisters. It's it's a weird Thanksgiving. We because our kids went with their other parents this year. We switch off years. And so we're like kidless, but you know I don't know. This is a, this is gonna be a weird one. So we'll definitely. Is this just you and the wife? Yeah, I think we're just gonna be around for most of the afternoon tomorrow. Uh, and gotta then I actually, and then I actually
1: gotta go work. Gonna get freaky on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you what I'm thankful for. I'm gonna mash I'm gonna, mash you, I'm gonna mash your potatoes. We
2: just we get to say hi to everybody, and then everybody goes everywhere else. And uh, it's you know what? It's cool though, because like we haven't had. We had the wedding, we had the honeymoon. We like we haven't had a minute to sit down and just like you know be thankful for everything. And so it'll be good to kind of be be quiet after
1: after awesome. tonight. And Eugene, what do you what do you got going on?
0: oh uh, so I'm actually going over to a good friend's place. Um, I'm basically like family to them. So he's having a big family get together, and I head over there and watch the Cowboys. Hopefully they win. Um, watch the what Cowboys game, talk eat about good food. Cowboys Vikings game. Yeah. That- <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. We'll say that for another. Uh, we'll say that for offline. <laughs> okay, but but just so you know,
2: I, I ended up having to plug the show because afterwards, uh, I had a bet with a friend of mine, and we did the uh, we had like the the uh, the chip challenge, the one chip challenge. But then we
1: now those those pocky those pocky chips. Yeah,
2: and then we took uh, some yeah. of the last dabs from the show, hot ones. If you've ever seen it, it's great. If you haven't, go check it out. But uh, so we took three of the hottest hot sauces in the world and put them onto this chip. And uh, so the loser of that game, you know, him being a Cowboys fan and me being a Vikings fan, it it was, it was a rough loss. It wasn't good. (laughs) But anyways, yay. Go locals.
1: Go local sports team. Um, I used to be, I used to be a Cowboys fan and I think I was just demoralized by years of sadness so it's rough or maybe I just I think I just grew out of sports, you know, like you know the I mean football is cool and all, but you know this is Texas, this is a football state, but uh I it's mean millionaires, guys guys being paid millions of dollars to run around and bang into each other and throw a ball down a deal when we got doctors out there who don't even make that much, yeah, we got like e r Certain e r doctors that that make like a sixteenth of that, yeah,' just kind of like man eh.
2: dude you're you're letting your age show like real hard.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, sure, it's sports. Okay, how about that? Okay, how about this? How about this? Take, take, uh, compare LeBron. Oh, uh, there's, the, there's that, there's that. It's not really a meme, but it's the thing out there that compares the leading player, uh, in the WNBA versus LeBron James, leading player in the NBA. And pretty much their records, like their, their records are pretty much the same. You know, as far as how many championships they've gotten, how many points they've scored. Um, and pretty much they line up, but she gets paid like, i think like sixteen thousand dollars he gets paid like you know uh whatever or i think her her total contract was worth like th- a little over three hundred thousand dollars his contract is like millions so yeah but they pretty much put up the exact same stats all year oh yeah it, it's kind of like it's kind of like the, those lines you know it's, it's, i i think i got just dis- just disenfranchised with just professional sports is that's all. fair
0: no that's 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 totally fair but You know what? People aren't here to listen to us talk about sports. They're here for the horror movies.
1: (laughs) See what I did there? See what I did? No, Eugene is not in a rush at all. (laughs) It is cold out here. (laughs) Yes, for those not in the know, Eugene is actually recording this from outside. Look at that fucking dedication. He's like... He's like in nature,
0: and see that shows that shows my commitment because I'm I'm at a house full of like family and all this other kind of stuff. So the only quiet place I have is outside, so I can see my breath as I'm like recording yes. this. E-
1: Eugene has actually gone outside into the dark, <laughs> where everybody away from everyone. On a holiday to record a horror podcast.
2: Talk about the commitment. Coming to you live from fucking cold as shit Texas. Cold as shit you Texas. T- you talk in the about. You
1: talk of. No, you talk about self fulfilling prophecy. This is how people get killed. <laughs> oh shit! Not to mention Eugene's black. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm going first. Oh fuck. This is how it starts. The black guy goes outside to be away from everybody to do something related to horror and he's the first victim. And if, this is how it happens. It's funny
0: you bring it up because a friend of mine was like, "Hey, there was a mountain lion spotted around here too." And then she showed me the video.
2: <laughs> Welcome to Texas, bro. Hey, I live out in the middle of nowhere. That's nothing new to me.
1: Well, at least we got Johnny out to take his place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: But Jessica G would be so disappointed. <clears throat>
1: Yes, Jessica, you were so disappointed. Oh, what a shame. But yeah, yeah, yes, Eugene is correct. Um let's uh let's like this fuck. Yeah. And uh, cuz we got holidays to get to, but uh we got some really awesome movies to talk about. Alex, what do we have at first, man?
2: All right, speaking of holidays. Kick it off. <laughs> I uh, see the football reference there. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> All right, coming at you. Our first one's going to be a holiday one. Look at that. We're going to be talking about Silent Night. And I hope I watched the right one because there are so many
1: of them. I think they're like six. <laughs> <There's so many. laughs> this one came
2: out uh, November 30th, 2012. Uh, directed by Stephen Miller. Written by Jason Rothwell. Um, Cast wise, we are looking at... Uh, see, I my notes just dropped. Cool. I can give you uh, Malcolm, which was Sheriff Cooper. Jamie King. Uh, Donald... Logue,
1: the log Donnell now donald donald Logue, donald
2: Logu. Donal. Donal. Oh my God. santa jim okay rick skeen ellen wong um and then you know of course we had courtney jane white in this one which is fantastic it, it,
1: it, it, that's like malcolm mcdowell like the legend it's, it's,
2: bro i had i had the uh the imbd pulled up and for whatever reason the imbd on this particular movie like is not in the right format so it just gives you like the like the first name of everybody if they have a long if they have a long name so it was, it was, <laughs> it was just like up. malcolm <laughs> jamie Mal- yeah malcolm <laughs> McDowell. there we go uh donald lagawi
1: <laughs> D- oh my god
2: <laughs> andrew seacon <laughs> uh anyways this one in short is a psychotic santa claus picking off people in a town while the cops try to chase him down which is kind of fucked up because i think this is based on like a actual shooting situation
1: oh uh, okay if you're bringing that up then yeah there was a um some I think it was like back in uh 2008 there was a guy who dressed up as santa and murdered like nine people they were all members of his family yeah, yeah. and he pretty much just you know Came in and he either killed him or he, or he uh, I think, or he shot him, and they burned the, killed the rest of him in an arson fire. It was really, really fucked up scenario. It was not good, <laughs> um, not, not good. But, uh, but no, the, technically, while while this has this rings of that incident, this was, uh, th- this is actually a remake of the original. The original Silent Night Deadly um, Night. That's right. Yeah. Silent Night Deadly Night. Yes, uh, the original Silent Night Deadly Night um, was in ni- nineteen eighty four. Right.
2: I believe
1: so. I uh, yeah, I believe so.
0: Also, yeah, yes, 1904,
1: so, and this is, <laughs> like, wait, this I'll is, just is technically, at the same time. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and this is this is technically the sixth in the franchise. I do believe. Um, it's both the remake and it's like the final entry in this franchise. I don't think they're gonna make it. Wasn't wasn't
2: Night. Santa's sleigh in this one too in the franchise? No,
1: Santa's sleigh was was Bill Goldberg the wrestler. As like the murderous Santa who has like the the hell deer that pulls his sleigh, and <laughs> <laughs> he kills people in like crazy right, ways. So I think like the totally opening, thing. he like drown the chick He. he I think he drowned the chick in the eggnog And then he killed someone with a Christmas tree Like a oh, Christmas tree Like topper like a, like it was like a star And he used it like a, as like a ninja star And killed somebody with it
2: <laughs> I thought Santa's Slay was a different movie But I'm gonna go watch this one now <laughs> like,
1: yeah. San, Santa, Santa's, Santa's Sleigh is amazing it, It's so ridiculous Plus it, it opens up He kills an entire family of Jews Damn
2: Why did you add that so, into like the good part
1: I mean, this how the film opens. It's like the opening, <laughs> and it, tur- it turns out like Santa's like the fucking Antichrist or some shit. <laughs> it's fucking, it's fucking hilarious. You've got, I'm not gonna spoil this what you shit got just on.
2: got biblical. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, but this, one, but this Silent Night came out in 2012. Um, the it was a remake of the original. It's the last one in the franchise. And the original one was was rough because uh this one uh this new one just came out i swear i had to rewatch it again i couldn't remember a lot of it and there's a reason for that it's because it was goofy as hell now the kills are pretty decent it does have a wood chipper kill that those are always wood chipper kills always give me the skeeves it's just one way i wouldn't want to go because it's really really slow and horrible so i'm gonna guess Um, that's your
2: partner there in the wood chipper
1: (laughs) okay now if you're already dead that's okay. If I'm already dead, go ahead and wood chipper me because obviously I'm not going to know. But if I'm alive, that would suck ass because you know you got to feel your feet going in, you got to feel your legs going in, and it's going to take a second to get up to you. And if it lodges on your pelvis, you're just going to lay there and bleed to death in agony. Uh, I'm so sure going it's to it's, it's that, <laughs> that's a horrifying horrifying way to go. yeah.
0: Because what, what's uh, so brutal about it? So he goes and he cuts her leg off. First, so she can't yeah. run away, and then he puts her in. Like if you go, if you go into wood chipper head first, then it's like boom, you hit the skull, you're dead. That's gone. But he puts her in leg first. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> so fucked up. What a dude. Oh, yeah, the dudes. A joke. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the uh, the, the uh, this was a remake of the original. Well, this one was super campy, and now uh, it felt like they gave every single one liner to like Malcolm McDowell. Like, every single one in the... No one else had a one-liner except for this man. Bro, everything was
2: like the the double S conversation.
1: (laughs) Double S. Double S, double double screwed. screwed. (laughs) It's like, oh, come on, Malcolm. I couldn't even see in his face that he was choking on these lines. At least when Jeremy Irons was in uh, Dungeons & Dragons, I could tell that he was just, like, choking on that dialogue. It was so bad. But Malcolm McDowell, man, he sells this shit. This movie, he absolutely fags, this movie sells
2: bombed it. fucking terribly. Oh, it was terrible.
1: Yeah. Now, unlike the original, because the original didn't necessarily bomb. It didn't do great at the box office, but not because it was bad. It did terrible at the box office because a legion of mothers got together to ban that fucker from theaters. Otherwise, it was on pace to beat every other Christmas uh, film that was out there at the time. In fact, I think it released at the same time as Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: Yeah, if it's not that I doubt
1: that.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah, so and uh, it actually was on track to beat Nightmare. The only reason Nightmare had the success it did is because Silent Night Deadly Night got banned. Now, in the original one, and I do I did dig that the remake kind of stole there's a moment there because in the original one for those who haven't seen it, it's about a little boy who gets traumatized by his by his uh, grandfather who tells him the story about the you know, Santa Claus comes and kills all the naughty people and shit like that. And just, you know, the kid's like six years old. And just, like, traumatizes the kid. then later that night when they're driving home from Grandpa's house, uh, they encounter a stranded driver who is dressed as Santa. And, you know, when they stop to help him, the Santa then turns on them and, like, you know, shoots the dad in the face and then, like, you know rapes and shoots the mother. It's it's all fucked up. The kid just barely survives with his little infant baby brother. And obviously he's traumatized. Then later when he's all grown up, goes on to become a spree killer dressed as Santa himself. Um, and it was so... I don't think anybody had seen a movie where Santa was the villain. Where it actually like, you know, like villainized Christmas. You know, because it was kind of taboo. It was, it was kind of off limits. You know, you don't fuck around with Christmas. You know, you can fuck around with Halloween. You can fuck around with um thanksgiving other other deals or other uh, holidays are not so taboo, but this particular one went after Christmas big time your killer was a Santa wore a santa suit killed people with you know various implements and th- you know you have it so it was banned they actually you know, there were people that actually you know like uh, I think protested to get this thing removed from theaters,
0: yeah, because the fact that. You know, with with Christmas being pr- predominantly, like, a Christian holiday, a lot of people saw it as an attack on, like, the religion itself. So it's like, oh no, Christmas is supposed to be our time. It's supposed to be sacred. It's Jesus' birthday. And, and there's other—I I realize that there's other religions that celebrate stuff at the same time, but being predominantly in the United States—
1: like, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah massacre,
0: <laughs> and so people people saw that as
1: Kwanzaa killing. The, the Sorry, Kwanza I'm, done. Ki- I'm, I'm They done. kill you
0: with a dreidel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
0: and so they they saw that as a personal attack on the holiday. Christmas was supposed to be sacred. It's a family time. People don't care about Halloween. So,
1: oh, I think I think there was also a thing where they didn't want their kids. Hearing about this movie and then thinking Santa was like a bad guy.
0: Yeah, that Santa was going like, to like, kill him with a flamethrower or something like if that.
1: Yeah, or if they if they disobeyed or he was like wasn't gonna. It was like, naughty, <laughs> naughty, naughty. Naughty. You know, naughty. <laughs> like I said,
0: this, this this movie is great because it does have Santa with a flamethrower.
1: <laughs> it does have a Santa. With, the, the 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 remake did have Santa with a flamethrower, which is pretty goddamn impressive. Um, <laughs> Santa, Santa just. Fucking molly whopping people <laughs> in this one, man. It's no fucks given. Damn. And he started, just, it legit like starts out. He's like getting dressed up as Santa. He's got a dude downstairs trussed up in electrical wiring with Christmas lights, electrocutes his ass and then dismembers a chick that he was banging upstairs with a, with a fire axe. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> We're just kicking this off so, woo, you know. Uh, and of course, it has the, the the classic ambiguous ending and everything. Just yeah, you know, like the like any good slasher. Um, but they haven't made another one since. Uh, I thought this this was it. It was. I mean, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the series. I like the series. Uh, even Silent Night, Deadly Night, 2 with Garbage Day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Alex do you remember that when Ricky goes on the Rampage with a gun and he's just Shooting people on the street And he just said that one guy's The one guy's like taking out the garbage And he's like garbage day Day Bam and he shoots the dude dead (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god The the franchise was always so fucking campy. And of course, this one was as well, but all the camp was relegated to Malcolm McDowell. Everyone else is serious as fuck, except for this guy who's got every single classic cop line you could ever throw into a cop movie. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many. I mean, from talking about his killer instincts to, you know, like, oh, shit. They're all running through my head. I can't. I can't pick a specific one. There are I don't so know, many. I can just
2: imagine. I'm saying some stupid shit though. Like, you have the right to remain silent. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> that bad.
1: Anything you say, anything you say, can and will be used against you, which would be pretty weird. Because <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. But um, it's it's I th- I always dug the the Silent Night silent deadline because even today into in 2020 we're way past 1984 uh and there of course there were I think there were yeah, this there were five in, in that one there were five silent Night, deadly nights the first two were about mass killers um then they got weird
0: yeah cuz you had like like three the f- toy maker and other stuff yeah, yeah
1: yeah and it got like supernatural and shit which was strange this was this was a whole this was uh, the, the new one the 2012 one was very much a throwback to the to the first film but i've always dug that even nowadays it still feels a little taboo now it's completely silly and it's and it's you know it's totally unjustified in in feeling that way, but it still feels a little taboo to go after Christmas. It does. You don't see a lot of like legit like you know like it's always indie. No one ever goes. Bi- well, uh, no, no. Uh, well, yeah, I think in the last five years, I think the only one that popped out was Krampus. Yeah, I was right? about to say
0: Krampus because Krampus was had a decent budget. Um,
1: yeah. So because um, that was uh, uh Mike was it Donohue? Yeah. Because uh the, the guy who directed uh, trick-or-treat
0: i believe so and, i mean it had stuff like, it's like adam scott was in it and a couple other big names
1: oh and T- tony yeah,
0: colette but other than that i think we may end up seeing more in the next say 10 to 20 years but also with christmas christmas is the biggest holiday period
1: like it it, it just um, it is Mike, sorry Mike, Do- Mike, Mike Dougherty Mike uh, Doherty was who talked about okay. that yeah
0: and so Christmas is the biggest holiday period we base a lot of just our calendar in general off of Christmas and so yep. coming after attacking it attacking Santa it's supposed to be family and about giving and you passing it, paying it forward and all this other kind of stuff and then it's like no Santa will fucking split your head open with an axe <laughs> Oh, Black Christmas! That's
2: that, the fucking movie I was thinking of. Today. Oh,
1: there oh, you yeah, go. Yeah, Black okay. Christmas. There was there, there was okay. So uh, there was and there was that was remade and oh, actually that was remade twice. And the first one was kind of was thrillerish, was more thrillerish. The second one was just gory for whatever, was just gross. The second one was just disgusting for disgusting. Yeah, shit. it had and a thing about trash. eyeballs. There was something about yeah, eyeballs yeah, just in that like one that was- just eating people's eyes and shit, fucking weird shit mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, the third one was just. Awful, it's just garbage. Oh, this—it was just absolute trash. Well, um, we'll eventually cover it when we have no others to cover that day. We'll cover that one. But uh, yeah, that one was—that one was that garbage. That would be like what next um, episode? <laughs> <laughs> but you just don't see—you just don't—you just don't see it that. Up. What about you, Alex? Um, it, does it still feel a little taboo for you, or, or are we so fucking desensitized that you could just—you you could just drop anything on Christmas? Uh, uh. I think Christmas
2: in my mind Christmas is the last sacred holiday. So, you know, we've been through so much and we're I'm I'm 30 and I'm the youngest one in this group and I've been through enough to where like some of the holidays to me are kind of just whatever. This year, honestly, this year all of the holidays this year have been very Uh, I felt a lot more about them this year because things have gone just to shit. So the holidays are something to look forward to. And actually for the first time in a long time, I've felt good about all the holidays, not stressed out. You know, I just, I kind of let all the things go on the holidays, but Christmas has always been that one that is just sacred. uh, You know, I just, there's just something about Christmas where it's like, okay, you made it through the year. Like, this is the big one everybody gets together and i feel like you can breathe and it's just happy so i think yeah i I still feel like it's kind of taboo to have these these christmas horror films because you're kind of fucking with something that is just so far off it's hard to make a christmas horror movie because it's so far away from horror that like my brain can't put those two things together thanksgiving it's fun to watch like uh what the fuck is that turkey movie
1: Thanks killing. Yeah, thanks
2: killing <laughs> nice Oh fucking fucking turkey it's man fucking hilarious. amazing i mean halloween obviously you know even you know you couldn't really touch fourth of july but like st patrick's day you've got leprechaun there's something in all of those holidays that you could turn into horror
1: oh no fourth of july man that's the purge yep.
2: yeah I, I mean i guess yeah but that's that gets a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of fucking political bullshit but so i mean so is fourth of july i suppose but, you know, just it's, this one for me is like the most sacred and probably my favorite holiday because it is the one time where I feel everybody kind of just lets go all the bullshit and does their thing. And uh, for me, it's not religious. For me, it's about the year that, you know, we've put behind us and the family that you have. And it, it, So, yeah, I just feel like it's taboo, but not in a way that like I could ever find a Christmas movie
1: scary. Just be. It's not for. It's not for punishing sinners.
2: No, and I mean you can even touch on like (laughs) on like Krampus and stuff, and that's not even. That's more like folklore. I I find that more interesting than scary, and it's. I don't know. So yeah, it's taboo in a way that I don't think that it could be done well, and I've yet to see a Christmas horror movie that was done well. But I did. I did just read something that I wanted to bring up because we are starting to talk about Christmas movies. And that was about <laughs> this guy that had wrote one of these you know little meme things. And it was like, so Santa watches you for the year, indicating that the year starts on January 1st until Christmas. So then that leaves the week after Christmas, <laughs> between Christmas and New Year's, wide open, where you can just do whatever the fuck you want. He's not watching. <laughs> So <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was super interesting It's, it. period. <laughs>
1: it's like challenge oh, accepted You
2: got that seven or five or seven day window <laughs> Where it's just like You can do whatever and he's not watching Yeah so I thought that was kind of funny But uh, yeah no that's that's a really good question That's something that I uh, I want to ask the audience Do you have a
1: favorite Christmas? Well, well, well hang on a second Does, Do you think it makes a difference that you have kids?
2: What the horror aspect of it?
1: Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I mean because you, you, you don't only have kids You have young kids
2: Yes and I'm I'm getting I've got a, a child who's also getting to the age where she's gonna start understanding what Christmas really is, if you know what I mean, wink wink, nudge, nudge to anybody that listens to this with their kids. And if you do, you deserve fucking coal in your stocking because children do not need to be listening to this.
1: <laughs> but I, have, I think this is, I think this is the best education anybody can get.
2: <laughs> I've got an almost nine year old, you know, and she's 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 asked the question before and it's you know It's one of those things where it's like it's kind of heartbreaking because it's like that that's going to come to a close for one of my children. And so soon I feel like she was just born yesterday. So it's like, well, fuck. And then we got other kids that are younger. So it's like what happens when she find you know. So, you know, maybe maybe it has something to do with it. But like I said, you'd have to it would have to be an outstanding Christmas horror movie to even touch on it. I feel like it would be so hard to touch Christmas with horror. I don't know. Like I said, yet to see one, and then you come out with shit like Black Christmas, where it's just like, are, are you are you serious? I don't know why. I want to hear more because you're you're silent now. Like, what?
1: no, no, I'm curious about. I was just curious that you take because I think that obviously having, especially young children, if if you do if you do the whole Santa thing. Um, then you'd want to protect them. You want to you you want to protect them from the from the possible idea that you know Santa could be a person. Santa could be a bad person, and I can understand that. You know, there's a there's a, a sense of innocence that you want to maintain at least while they're young, and I totally get that. Um, honestly, I'm I'm all about you know. However, and it's up to whatever parents what uh, whatever they want to do. If they don't if they don't care and they think that horror movies are cool, and uh, then I say you know more power to you because my parents showed me horror films. Look like how I turned out. <laughs>
2: See, okay. So uh... now that I'm thinking about it, you, you got me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, first of all, we don't even need to touch that. Thanks for the support, guys. <laughs> Fucking how the Grinch is jail. Um, I think I think something scary that you could do with Christmas is like abduction. Like you bring up the child thing. You know, Santa comes in. He doesn't. He doesn't give. He takes. Or uh, if you could play in some sort of. Uh, what do they call that when uh, the where they swap kids out? It's uh, um, like a folklore changelings.
1: Oh yeah, if you fuck with yeah. if you'd
2: fuck with changelings, like you know, this evil Santa comes in and switches one of the kids out with like you know a murderous child, and then like murders ensue during the day, but nobody knows. Maybe I mean maybe if you touched on a more personal aspect, but just like this movie, where it's just like Santa's picking people off in the fucking street, or. You it, like it, any of the ones we've talked about? These either campy or just downright fucking shitty. You know, holiday horror movies. It, it just hasn't touched it yet. If there is a good Halloween or a Halloween, if there is a good, there's plenty of good Halloween horror movies. If there is a good Christmas horror movie, it has yet to be made, in my opinion. One that has actually scary. really.
1: Oh, one that was actually scary, yeah. or one that was just good? no,
2: no. There, I mean, there's a couple of good movies, but like, not scary.
1: Okay. I, I don't it's know about scary, issue. but
0: yeah, I mean there are a couple of uh, there are a couple like I said with the slashers. That's pretty much really all we get for Christmas is just a couple slasher films. That's all you can do. There's not
2: much. There's not enough around it, unless you went to a three hour movie about like religion or something. I mean, it would you'd have to get really deep into it to make it make me go. Whoa. I
1: think I think that I, I I think because it's interesting you mentioned the changeling one because there is a a horror anthology. Called a Christmas horror story, um, where one of the one of the segments in that anthology what dealt dealt with the changeling. Oh, with uh, they you know they go uh, the the family goes out to cut down a Christmas tree, and they go out to like you know the deep deep woods to find a you know a good uh, wild one, and so they go to cut it down, and the kid disappears for a moment, but then they find him again real quick, and it turns out he's been switched. I so. may
0: stand corrected.
1: Yeah, so that was a uh, Christmas horror story, which actually was I thought was pretty good, and it has William Shatner.
0: Oh, I haven't seen it.
1: Yeah the uh, the concept is that uh, there's there I think there's four entries in the story, and then the framing narrative is uh, a radio DJ is doing the Christmas like um, is doing like the the Christmas show. For that night, and so it's his block uh, on the radio, and so and he'll be like he'll be like do a little break, and he'll be like, hey, how's it going, everybody? We're you know kicking off Christmas like this with this, and they'll play the music, and then it will go to a story, and then the music that he's playing on the radio will be playing during that during it will start will kick off that story, and then in between stories a break back at the radio station until it turns out you know, and then that was really good, and, and uh, William Shatner was the DJ, so
2: <laughs> oh cool, check that one out. Yeah,
1: then. I'm going to check that one out too.
2: All right. Well, hey, that, that does bring me to my my question for the audience. Do you have a favorite Christmas horror? And I'm even going to go, I'm going to go farther into this one because I'm interested. And like I said, I've yet to be impressed. Movie or even story. If you could find a good Christmas horror story, drop it to us. We at gmail.com. Let us know. Right. Try to blow my mind i will watch it seriously i will watch anything that you drop in there i will make it a december marathon of christmas horror and i will let you guys know if, if i'm impressed or not all right jo uh take us to something super super short i was surprised super short but super weird intense
1: <laughs> definitely weird yes yes this what this was a weird one um but I, I particularly enjoyed it. But yeah, definitely uh, the weir- probably the weirdest of the. I don't know. We got some weird ones in this in the, tonight's show. But uh, released December second, two thousand sixteen. We have the we have the eyes of my mother. So directed by Nicholas Pesh and written by Nicholas Pesh, starring Kika Magalés, Olivia Bond, Diana Agostini, and Paul Nazak. Uh, this is an interesting little film. Uh, to, have, to try to put it into perspective without giving too much away because this one is only 2016 only came, only came out I think it's now four years ago um it's all shot in black and white and it's very much a it's very much as much a character study as it is a horror story about a young girl who grew who grows up um on a very very rural farm and as people kind of like as like people kind of enter her lives, starting with her parents as they kind of leave her life and then enter her life uh the girl really doesn't grow up with any friends, and is I can think would be defined as truly alone. And that the film is really kind of a character study on what loneliness and lack of I would say lack of connection with with people outside of like just your parents, um, what that can do to a person in the long term. And I found it really really intriguing because it's not it. She does she does engage in some very very horrific behavior. But to her, it's not horrific because it's what she knows, which is strange. Goes there's a strange relationship with the parents, uh, but not bad. Just just a little a little too much, I think, for some people. Um, but it goes on to engage in some really really disturbing behavior that this girl engages in. But I thought it was it was it was both creepy as hell and somewhat heartbreaking. It really was. I have so many things to say about this movie. Well, that's why
0: we're on a podcast.
1: Oh shit! I can see him in here. Huh? <laughs> yes, you can. I mean, I mean, I can. I, I understand. I understand the capacity. I mean, everyone needs connection, and being alone can, especially for you know, protracted periods of time. We see this kind of stuff, like people who are like thrown in solitary in prison. But even then, you still get food every day. Even then, you still see somebody at least three times a day, or or your hour if you go out and you get exercise. You still see the guards. There's still people there. With this girl, it's like all alone.
2: See, okay. so you say that. All right, here, let me let me just start this out. Uh, Eugene, let me give you a talking point here. There's a there's a difference between being confined and being free in the aspect of being alone. Exactly, being being held against your will like that, like you're talking about jail, that's a very good point. But like, you,
1: ah, still, ah, there's still this, there's still a, there's still a power, like there's still a, a presence there that's holding you right, down. Right, exactly. Still something you can re, you can interact. The fact with. that gotcha.
2: you're being held means that there's somebody else in your life. And in in this movie, when she's kind of just free to do whatever she wants, that's a whole and, and still also alone. Like you say, that's a whole other aspect of
0: being alone. That I I yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I like I did some research and one of the things I researched was feral children. And there's a handful of them throughout history where it's kids from one reason or another were abandoned out in the woods. And went long <laughs> periods of time without, you know, something like maybe parents were killed, shipwrecked or whatever. That's and, where I get my kids out in the middle of the woods. Yeah, out the mid- <laughs> in, in the middle of the woods. And it's a, it's a difficult subject to study because it's cruel to do that to children in any way. So we have very few examples of um, – it was a, about 150 years ago, about the 1850s, they came across a kid – who was about 8 or 9 years old they have no idea where uh his parents were who was just out in the woods he's out in the woods for years didn't know how to didn't know how to speak any language didn't know how to interact with people in any way didn't know any kind of customs anything at all whatsoever <laughs> Eugene that was just the story of Tarzan <laughs> and he was majestic as he swung throughout the trees <laughs> no but you you start you start realizing cer we learn so much from our surroundings, and then we you don't have that, so when some of the things that she does when she's like dancing in front of a corpse, and we're like well that's hor- that's horrible. Why would you do something like that? She doesn't know that that's strange
1: well it's, it's, it's that's what that's what Plato is she's got no one to bounce anything off of except for her father for the longest time in her very early I think I don't I don't really state how old she was in the when when the real tragedy with her mother takes place because it's it's you know god-awful situation but uh it seems to have a diminished effect on her because I think because of the way her mother raised her her mother was a doctor before I guess they retired they retired to the farm or they just you know decided to go to the farm but her mother was an actual was a, was a very very you could tell was a very um, analytical, very almost cold individual. She wasn't mean. She just was. She just didn't put the emphasis on that on that emotion as much as she put the emphasis on education and making sure that her daughter understood things. But when she go, which when she leaves the picture, and then her father leaves the picture, she's got no one to bounce anything off of. And you know, given her what she does to her victims, and I guess never learned that revulsion that what she's doing may, may come off a certain way in society because she wasn't really in society and just kind of making it up as she goes along. Um, it never did explain how she made money to pay, but maybe the place was paid off. Maybe they owned all the land. I have no idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, to, to have that kind of isolation, like, like Alex said, um, where, no, uh, no interactivity. She wasn't in captivity. She could leave her. She had a car. She just, I guess, the length of time. It just, she preferred staying in the house at all times, and so it was. It was. It, it lingered with me. It was. It just a horror that does that. That what are the, these are people that are monsters. Well, are they really monsters? It makes us question certain things. Makes us, you know, question, see it from their perspective, and it it stuck with me. Uh, stuck with me for a couple of days thinking about that, thinking about being in the situation, not knowing the difference between you know, social, you know, what is socially acceptable and what is not. And how easily it could have been. Anybody could be in the situation. Ed Gein was in that situation.
0: Well, also, you think on top of that is even people who know killing and murdering is wrong and they still do it. So when you get somebody who's absent of society, who has no, it makes sense that they wouldn't see anything wrong with it. But see, that's that's the thing. There is another there's a
2: quote in the movie um, Go placidly amid the noise and haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence, and whether or not it is clear to you the universe is unfolding as it should, and that that quote states that you know this person does know that there is things going on outside of the situation, you know, but but chose to be there, which there another another thing. Okay, so jail you said something about lingering this this movie has stuck with me since I watched it I watched it uh the day we dropped the script um and, and I haven't stopped thinking about it because there are parts of this movie like um when she goes uh, I can't remember the quote exactly but it was something along the lines of um why do you think I'm gonna kill you
1: and, and oh when, when she was a li- when uh when she was a little girl yes yeah yeah okay when she when when the, the when they had the first when she has the first yeah, guy when she's up. picking
2: yeah. like glass out of his face and uh, and she's like, "Why do you think I'm gonna kill you it, the the way the way that it's presented is as interested. why like, why do you feel that way? It's not like, why like, why do you think I'm gonna kill you? like what, what have I given you that says I'm gonna kill you? It's more like, but why do you feel that way? And like that she's like picking apart his brain as, you know, this person lays there absolutely terrified for his life. like she's more interested in like, the psychology behind what she's doing to these people it shows an understanding that what she's doing is not normal to the people that she's doing it to which makes it even creepier because it, it it's more of an understanding of this isn't like because like you said eugene you know these kids don't know like right from wrong they don't know about society but just the way that some of these these things that uh that she says it just they it, they're not there's an understanding behind it and it's very clear that she knows that what she's doing is not normal in society, but also, you know, she's not going to stop because she's got, you know, she's studying. It's like you said, it's like a case study of somebody that could be, but it's also the case study of somebody that's studying people. You know, why do these people want to live in this society? Why wouldn't they want to be in silence? You know, Um, remember what peace there may be in silence. Like, it, she finds a piece in it it's creepy it's so creepy and the psychological aspect this movie i looked into it it's only 76 minutes long but it's like you can go into this at the very beginning and at the very end of it be like whoa and, and not even realize that you've watched the whole movie there's not it's not bloated it's not there's not extra stuff in there but it also doesn't leave very much out i think this was
1: and the di- the dialogue is very sparse. It's very sparse and, and it's only
2: every once in a while but it's very very profound in a way if you will i don't know if that's the right word but to me it was like the 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 writing the directing in this it was all just like i, I couldn't even believe it was a movie at the end of it it was like wow that person is fucked oh wait no it was just an actress you know i liked this one psychologically this is this was a psychological movie for me and it was it was fantastic
1: I, I, yeah it was definitely a, Oh, no, go i
0: liked it too because it was something that was unique that i i like movies where there is no filler dialogue or pillow filler or anything like that it was straight it was sharp there was dialogue when there needs to be dialogue and there was always some kind of subtext on top of that
1: you know you know i i agree with you i I'm, i'm gonna say the exposition was in her face yeah the actress um uh uh kika i think it's yeah kika malage um who played Francisca? The way the way she emotes is so intense. The work that she does with her eyes and the little micro expressions. And how the mother the mother states at the tells tells her when she's a little girl, um, when Olivia Bond was playing a young Francisca. The mother tells her, um, or is talking about how loneliness can result in psychotic behavior.
2: Loneliness can do strange things to the mind. Can do straight yeah, do straight, was, yeah, can do yeah, straight things to her mind. Was like, so she exactly she knows, and you
1: know, and so the the older Francisca, played by Kika, is you can tell that she is reading the person across from her because there's a there's a moment when she brings a girl home from a bar. She like goes <laughs> out to a bar to to and then brings a the girl home, and it and it, it's just awkward the entire time. Um, like she knows what she's supposed to be doing. She knows what the other person is doing. But she is constantly searching herself to make the right choice, which is why her, her reactions are so delayed.
2: It, it's That's, yeah, that's the, the word, delayed reaction. Because, like, she'll sit there and yes. look for a second, but her facial expression won't change very much. But you can tell, like, when stuff clicks in her head. Because, like, her, you know, she'll be staring straight at the person and then, like, that's the creepiest part. She's always looking directly at, um, like you're talking about when she brings her home and... Uh, uh, it's the Asian lady, right, that she brings back from the bar? Yeah. And she's, like, looking at the picture pay- when they walk in and she turns the lights on. And the way that she's, like, kind of tilting her head but staring at her, like, how did she react to me turning the lights on? You know?
1: And and, and she doesn't – but and that's the, that was the th- also thing that got me. She doesn't stare with, like, predatory intent. She doesn't stare, like, with any kind of malice or whatever. She simply stares because she's reading the other person. Study. She's intently reading the people that are across from her. In order to see what they're what they emoting, to, to, just basically almost in, almost in, 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 in an analytical studying way, which doesn't come off as creepy, just comes off like like she's socially inept. But it's so it's kind
0: of creepy because it's that disassociativeness of it, where yes, she's not yes. emotionally invested in any way at all. It's it's yeah, yeah. but you, this
1: one stayed with me. I
2: don't know. Yeah, it never it never lets go. That's the thing. And even like when she's got like. Um, Like, when she goes to, like, feed the cow, you know, and she, like, puts her arm out with, like, the apple or whatever she's got in her hand, going to the cow, and the cow backs up. There's, like, subtle things in the movie that, like, work so much for this movie. I don't know. Check it out. It's Seriously. It's good. Let's discuss more.
1: (laughs) It's really good, yeah. And that that, – never bring it up. So I want to ask the audience – um horror being what it is we all have our different favorites but uh we're I'm very curious what horror films have you watched that have really stayed with you the eyes of my other uh, the eyes of my mother really lingered with me obviously it did definitely lingered with alex and eugene this one this one is very very thought provoking in not just the kind of horror of what the girl does but in just kind of the the mentality the psychology of the character um so let us know i'd like to know in the comments what horror films have stuck with you long after the credits have rolled yeah, let us know there or shoot us an email at at gmail.com. I'll tell you another one before we before I, I pass over to Eugene. I'll tell you another one that really stuck with me. It was a British horror movie called Heartless. And that one haunted me for like a week <laughs> after I watched it. I want to get, make that as a recommendation to, uh, to everybody out there. Now, I will say there's a bit of bias there because um, when I watched it, I think... Uh, I got to double check. I'm actually going to just... Because, and I'm going to get a little personal Ooh. on this one. The reason, okay, because so this came out in 2009. And it uh, stars Jim Sturgis. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just like 10 years ago. So, yeah, my dad passed away in 2004. So, this is about five years after. And I, I kind of went through, went through you know, bouts where, you know, I really, really miss my dad and everything. And this one is about... Very, uh, one of the primary subjects of this film, although it is definitely a horror movie, um, one of the the co- one of the aspects of this film is about the relationship between a kid and his uh, between the protagonist or the the guy and his dad, and because he lost his dad as well, and it had a profound effect on him. I think I related to the character very much, but that concept of of loss and the effect of trauma. The, the, the trauma of loss and the effect that that can have as it kind of rings through your life, especially if you're a social outcast, that hit me right where I live. That one blew my mind. I, I was stuck on that movie for like a week. I've only watched it twice because it takes me right back there. Um, but I strongly – I mean it's, it's a tough one. It has some tough moments to get through, but it's extremely well acted. Really, really solid horror film. Um, I highly recommend it. Um yeah, you know, this sounds like something you'd be interested in watching. It. But uh, what about you guys? Anything you guys, uh, other than this one, uh, in terms of horror movies that kind of stick with you? Yeah, they just stayed with you, man, for like days after.
0: Nothing comes to mind right now. I'm pretty sure we'll talk. About, we'll go to the next movie, and one will pop into my head. But I don't have anything off the top of my head.
2: I mean, when it comes down to, cause you know, I'm, I'm really into like psychological horror movies. So y- you talk about stuff like, uh, we just talked about one shrooms, obviously we just talked about it in that episode. I got really whipped up about it because like that was one that has stuck with me for years even, um, just because of h- how they portrayed the movie. I mean, it was just a very well done movie, but it was also, it, it did something to my, my brain and it just stuck with me. But, uh, uh I, like Eugene said i'm i'm sure there's a bunch that have been you know you, you just sit and they'll they'll hit over and over again for weeks on end um i know there's been a couple that i've watched that have made me feel uneasy for a long time um especially like back when when like you know like k horror started com- j horror started coming over here real hard and like the ring and the grudge and stuff and i was pretty young when that stuff started coming out so those ones kind of stuck with me um. Yeah, the ring yeah, gave me because it the ring like gave stuff, me nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff oh. that stuff that plays off of stuff in your everyday life are are the most. You know,
1: horror. I will admit that. Will admit that the tape that she watches in the ring and in that that one got me. There was some imagery in that one. That yeah. No. Like, uh. Exactly.
2: That's. I mean. I think that, that probably rings true with a lot of people because that was. You know, it was that was touching on some pretty tab. We we'd seen some pretty crazy shit in horror movies up to that point, but then. You know, it was like the that uneasy feeling, and then it played like you know it plays yeah. off of mirrors, plays off of chairs, plays off of like
1: I don't know. what what the fuck was it? It was a ladder. It was a ladder. That it, was fell. A ladder and it was a ladder, and it was fucking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I never, I never got that. It was like it's a ladder. Now that was the fucking thing is that there was the there were brief images that were really they were they were slow enough for you to recognize what you were looking at, but they were too fast for context. Yeah. So you just got image, 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 image. And then kind of like – and then like the ladder uh, and then the spinning chair and then uh, I'm on a cliff and then the the ring. And it's just like, okay, I I sort of get – what the fuck? Now I'm afraid of ladders and
2: chairs and I don't know why.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand it. Why wild shit? But definitely uh, to the audience, let us know. Um, what horror movies is stuck with you? We'd love to hear what you guys have to th- uh, have to say about that. Uh in the comments or we can horror at gmail.com. Uh Eugene, take us to our next entry. Okay, well
0: before before we go into our next film, did any of y'all actually go to the Rings website?
1: You, oh god uh, yeah. I may have, but I don't recall. So
0: they had it they so they had it where you clicked on the website and it played the video full screen. Yeah. Nice. and I, never I
2: fucking watched it for more than three seconds but yeah, yeah
0: i, I couldn't i couldn't finish it i was like because the whole thing the trailer comes out it's like oh if you watch this video you die and so you go like the ring whatever it was and you click on it and it just plays the video and i was like i'm gonna fucking die i am gonna fucking die i was sitting there watching it with like, a couple of friends and we turned it off <laughs> and we thought like we saved our lives so um <laughs> so that i don't know if the website i don't know if the website's still up today but yeah speaking of the ring <laughs> so a not so traumatizing film like the ring we have released december 3rd <laughs> 1993 we have chronos and chronos is directed by the man the myth the legend Gamil del toro oh my god, <laughs> oh my
1: god <laughs> dude Guillermo. Guillermo
0: Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> oh
1: Guillermo god. del Toro. I'm sorry. I gotta save you on that one. There's some there's some fans out there that, that may send you more than Hate. Oh me. yeah, they, they,
0: they would <laughs> hang me in the streets. <laughs> uh. And so we have Starring. All right. <laughs> All right. Fed Oh my god. I'm sorry. I apologize ahead of time. I'm sorry, Federico.
1: Federico. 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 Lupi. 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 Ron Perlman. (laughs) (laughs) The one American in
0: the production. Uh, Claudio Brooke and Margarita Isabel. There you go. Oh, oh, a little bit of something there. A little bit of something there, right? (laughs) And basically, you have an antique dealer stumbles across this 400-year-old scarab that latches onto his arm and grants him eternal youth and a thirst for blood. And then shit gets real. Shit Shit gets real. real. I always like ending on shit gets real because that's seriously how every horror movie is. It's like, okay, you got your premise, and if shit doesn't get real, it's not a horror film. You know how weird it was
2: watching this movie with uh, Ron Perlman being fucking so young,
1: (laughs) (laughs) a a young Ron Perlman, Yes, a young Ron Perlman, not in the guise of Vincent. Looks, it is very, very strange looking, especially now since we're so used to him today. Um, You know, Sons of Anarchy, or you know, know, he's kind of his older incarnation. He's still, but yeah, yeah. yeah, But hearing hearing that voice coming out of that of, of his youthful form is very, very strange indeed. Especially, he runs around the movie. I think with his with like uh, his nose broken for most of the movie. <laughs> it's it's wild. I dug the one thing I would say that is a common theme of a lot of Del Toro's early films is that he loves his folklore, and he also loves classic monsters, but he doesn't like revealing them like classic monsters. So you uh, whereas Kronos is definitely a vampire movie. Okay? But it is not your... It is definitely not your typical vampire. This is a very atypical vampire film. Um, even in the depiction of the vampire itself is radically different. Is a radically different vision. And I, I just... I love Del Toro's uh, kind of... Both examination of and depiction of the mythical creature. Here. I mean,
2: to, to get really into his, his vision of this movie, but most of his stuff in general. I mean, you really gotta start now and kind of work your way backwards like um did you guys ever watch the tv show the strain oh,
1: yes. Yeah, oh, yeah yes yeah. yeah that was um that was uh it was, it was that was based on a book series written by chuck hogan and then uh the teleplay was written by del toro and Chuck. yeah
2: hogan. and so like he he played so much so the, the books were good I, I don't know if you've read any of them but the books are great but you get into you get into Del Toro's vision in this, and it it pushed me because we were talking about this, and I know we wanted to get into Del Toro's uh, vision of vampires and monsters in general because it's just he's got such a different take on it. Um, he, like you said, he plays into this when he was interviewed because I got into some interviews with him, and he's talking about how. Um, he, there was a, a line that he used along the lines of when you're creating something like a vampire or a zombie, um, you want to, you want to make it closer to the myths because using science is arrogant. And then he, he goes on to say like science in general is arrogant. And so he likes to take the scientific aspect and use the relevant parts that aren't the arrogant parts in his eyes and stick to these, these folklores. And he's, uh, He's so big. Like when they asked him, so in his eyes, when they asked him um, about uh, the Twilight series, he was like, never read him. You <laughs> know, he's like,
1: no, no. <laughs> but he. Oh,
2: he often. Um, he often quotes, "I am Legend," and he wants to do like his own versions of "I am Legend." He he kind of, he's always kind of gone towards that, and uh, he started he started with Dracula, and he did not like. He, he's like real big on dracula he's he knows so much about it but he wanted to kind of veer away from the i, I guess the science and vampirism um he looks more like
1: explain explaining it away with a virus right or... he, well no that's the thing is he, okay.
2: he did want he you know the the best way to beat science is use science so like a pandemic or an epidemic would be like the best way to like explain it without going into like, Oh, this is the way that, you know, just make it kind of a broad thing. But, um, uh, he really looks into like, uh, Eastern European types of like vampirism. Um, but he acknowledges that there are different kinds, Chinese, Malaysian, you know, middle Eastern, um, that are all very different from Western myth. And he likes to touch on a lot of that stuff. So when he gets, gets into it, uh, he talks about, uh, Salem's Lot and uh, I Am Legend, like I said, uh, Fever Dream was another one by George R. R. Martin that he he talks about a lot, and so he takes he takes a lot of inspiration from many different places, and he he likes to come up. It's with this movie, like you said, it's not there's no it's not like your normal depiction of a vampire, and the way that this movie goes is like you said, there's this ancient artifact that grants him eternal life which is you know in in that point he turns into you could say a vampire and you know there are some vampire aspects to it but the way that he that he plays on it is so different than everybody else and i think that's what makes him really successful when it comes to monsters because he likes to have his own take on it but he also keeps in mind mythology and folklore and um it it, and does something different he doesn't want to do the same thing over and over again
1: i think it's it's it was so interesting. His depiction of it, you know, vampires being eternal and obviously, you know, you know, subsisting off the the blood of the living, which th- this definitely does have in it. Um, but you know, you know, no fangs and no like you know like you transfer tra- transforming into shit. But the concept of when his skin begins to turn like marble white, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and it it evoked it evoked um, images of like Grecian statue of like Grecian statues. And, uh, like, like Greek bus and Roman bus, you know, like, you know, carved from marble, the almost eternal aspect of a person cast in marble, um, comp- you know, like that kind of eternal nature, but put upon a living, uh, this living being, um, I found it to be a, a beautifully, uh, I found it to be like beautifully done in a, in a, in an aesthetic way. I, that's why I love Del Toro's visions. He will take concepts that you typically wouldn't connect and he'll bring them together, um, like the living marble statue, uh, to kind of like embody the eternal nature of this creature that he's become. Um, that was I found it because it, it, it kicks off you know with the original alchemist uh, dies after creating the device that houses the the creature inside that get, that you know gives immortality uh, or basically turns people into vampires. Um, when he dies, it was because he was impaled through the heart, and of course you know we see all the basins. That he had from the, from the corpse that he had under there, uh, but yeah, I found it, it it was a it was a haunting one, beautifully done. The aesthetics on this thing were fantastic, um, and the dichotomy of an, of an old because he starts like he's an old man, and then he gets you know the 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 device it's like a clockwork almost steampunk device, pierces his hand, and then all of a sudden his youth starts coming back to him, his vitality comes back. Uh his wrinkles go away, his his hair starts getting thicker again, like he's like reverting in age. And his, you know, his, his libido comes back, he's feeling youthful, and I love the depiction of it. and now in his situation then contrasted with Ron Perlman's character, who is alive, you know, <laughs> has his has his youth and is ultimately unhappy with what he is. Because I think he was constantly talking about getting his nose fixed.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's constantly talking about it, just is dissatisfied with it, dissatisfied with who he was when he's got everything the old man doesn't have.
2: Everything that he wants and it's just a battle between that, yeah. in the middle, you know, and it's – yeah. There is um, – I want to throw this out there before I forget. There was a, uh, um, an article uh, by the official publication of the Transylvania Society of Dracula um, in, the, in the Journal of Dracula Studies. Uh, you can find it on academia.edu – uh, it's called a monstrous outbreak, epidemics in biology, and the creative process of Guillermo del, Tor- Guillermo del Toro's symbolic vampires. And you can dig into this, and uh, you can really get an idea. It goes through the career of del Toro and his his impact on vampires in movies. That's pretty cool. All right, so yeah, this this paper had been published. Uh, like I said, you can find that at academia.edu. It's called A Monstrous Outbreak Epidemics and Biology and the Creative Process of Guillermo del Toro's Symbolic Vampires. Um, and it, it's really cool because it touches on um, this movie. There's a lot about this movie and the Kronos device and, and what it's about. But also, they touch on stuff like COVID 19 and how it came, you know, it's, it's thought to come from a bat and how that plays into now uh, he's looking into this as like, you know, like a something to play on. Uh, so it's it's really cool. If you get a chance, check this this paper out. You can find the PDF on uh, the internet. It's right there for you. So yeah, definitely. It's it's really cool because it gives you an, it, a huge insight into um, the process that he comes with in creating his monsters.
1: Oh, it's it's absolutely stunning. I love how he falls back on um, obviously the the local folklore of his native Spain. Uh, or sorry, Native Mexico and, and Spain, both of them. He touches on both of them. But the things he pulls from folklore are amazing. The stuff in um, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, The Devil's Backbone. Uh, I think he – The Orphanage? Mm-hmm. I think he was behind The Orphanage, yeah. And and, and the things we see, uh, the tertiary – I would say the the background things that we see in in the Hellboy series. You know, and even in uh, The Shape of Water. Like, uh Everything he does is touched by his, by the trappings of his universe, and the things I think that influenced him as a child, that influenced his imagination, the things that he came up with. Um, you could see it, you can see Lovecraft in there, you could see Poe in there, you could see uh, Chambers, you could see uh, oh, the, the great poets. I, I love the way he depicts things. Obviously, you know uh, the uh, the great fairy tale authors, uh, the you know, the Grimm brothers, and so on and so forth. I just. I adore. It. it takes me back to being a child, and some of it is deeply haunting. Some of it's somewhat scary because I think it takes you back to being a child, and in that kind of state, in that mental state, the monsters come out, and they they're they're scarier than they usually are. But then I love. I do also love, and this this is kind of the softy in me. I do love how his stories often have happy endings.
2: They do. Yeah.
1: The you know it it doesn't you know story a horror horror does not always have to be. You know, like down endings or neutral endings, or things that just you know, like make you want to eat a bullet. Thank you, The Mist. You can have, you can have happy endings. And I do like that his stories are very fair, fairy tale in that respect.
0: And I, I do, I appreciate it. And I know a lot of people like to dive into like Tim Burton's vision and all this other kind of stuff, but Del Toro has his, he does, he has his own style, this own unique world that he's able to create and it's fascinating and it just it just he really is you talk about for example like the hellboy series i love the hellboy movies i love the first and the second one um just his creative his creative mind and the way he thinks about it and he is very I don't say it's about a lot of directors. A lot of directors will have like a thing they focus on, so they're like a writer director, or they focus on cinematography or special effects or whatever. He's one of the few directors that really focuses on art direction.
1: You know what? Uh, you know, just touching on, let me piggyback off of that uh, on art on his art direction on on um, his art department. Whenever he is doing a major scene, whenever there's a major scene, not a transitional scene, but a like a major plot scene in a film. The background, the set that they are currently acting in is generally reflective of the dominant person in the scene. So, like in Hellboy, all of the scenes that, that, that Professor Broom were the primary individual in that scene, like the leading actor, or the, the leading character of that scene, they were all surrounded by intellectual things. Intellectual, there was, they were either in the library or they were, um, in the, in the, um, the museum. I mean, even his death scene is in the library, you know, and the transitional scenes are always him walking in between point to point. And of course, uh, all of Hellboy stuff, his backgrounds, uh, they're always fast moving. They're always action oriented, unless they're contemplative in which it's only him in the scene. He doesn't have his deep thought moments unless he's alone. Otherwise, there's always someone sharing there and he's always goofing off and, you know, and being, you know, being whatever until he has his vulnerable moment and he has his moment with Liz. So I, I find the way he caters every single scene to the individuals that are in it to really, to really help the audience get in to feel the emotion of that, to draw them into the character. I've lo- I, I love the way he designs it. it. Like, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I he is a legend. Um, I think he deserves more credit than he gets, as much as he does get. I think he's one of the absolute greats.
2: He, I, he just cares so much about what
0: he does. It's, it's amazing. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, he does. Oh, we'll we'll talk about what the issues he had with mimic. Um. Uh,
1: Oh fuck, I yeah, I was totally spayed. I yeah, I mean why would I forget? I mean literally uh Norman Reedus like breakout role. Yeah. Like what the shit? Cuz Norman, cuz he can uh, I think he he, he knew Norman tur like 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 tertiary through somebody else and he decided to cast Norman in this film and that was how Norman pretty much got his break in Hollywood.
0: <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but so we we I know we mentioned a couple of uh Del Toro films here. I actually want to ask the audience. Wh- well, wait. What were you gonna say about mimic? Oh no, because remember he had all the stu- the studio problems, and we talked about we'll talk about his vision about how he's able to create and how he's able to really reinforce the character.
1: Oh, oh yeah, you're oh, oh yeah, but but that involves Miramax. Yeah, that, and that it, whole, that involves- that's why I
0: didn't, I didn't want to get like super into that.
1: It involves they who will
0: not yeah, be named. I that's why I didn't want to get it. But okay, I do want to say... I
1: don't know. Mira Sorvina was fucking
0: hot. Oh, you, she's awesome. But, I,
1: <laughs> she's, but I, I do want to
0: say for upcoming filmmakers, I get the question all the time of how do I make my film look big budget? And I tell people all the time it's art direction. You can yes. get a $10,000 camera. You can get five thousand dollar lighting setups. You can get a ten thousand dollar lens. If you shoot a blank white wall in an apartment, it's a blank white wall in an apartment.
1: So this is true. Oh, Richard Oakes, Richard Oaks and Adam Leader were talking about that very thing—that it all came down to what what is what is in front of your camera. You know the 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 effort and the love they put into crafting this space. Is what sold that movie. That's why when you watch the movie host, you get the feeling that the movie is way more expensive than it was. Ex- exactly, because they yeah. But we're like we're like doing the podcast and Richard is recording his part of the podcast because he was on camera. He's recording that from one of the rooms of, that they use in the movie. <laughs> and, Cause it was his house. And I was like, what the fuck? But yeah, that that, that was there. I was like, holy shit. And I didn't even recognize it. But yeah, that's the importance of that art department to really, really sell sell the space. It yep. really
0: is it's something that in terms of the amateur and the like especially the low budget indie film market that is really commonly overlooked especially with upcoming filmmakers where it's they don't want to put they don't want to put the money in art direction getting yourself an art director getting yourself a production designer it just ups the value of your film <laughs> and when you get somebody like Tim Burton and Del Toro that really excel on the art direction yeah, Peter Jackson Peter Jackson's another one
1: Oh, yeah. I I
0: love Peter Jackson's quote, if it's not right, it's wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because it's Peter Jackson, he can say shit like that. Yeah, because, you know, it's... it's (laughs) Oh, fucking Kubrick.
0: The the same same way.
1: So... Oh, man. Speaking of which, I think that this is the opportunity for us to send out a special thanks. I know she probably won't hear it. But Megan who is the uh, art uh, that was, it was Megan uh, who worked on the art. It was pretty much the art department for what we've, our projects.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Megan. Yeah. Megan. Megan has done, so she's a, my kind of my go-to production designer and I, she does an amazing job and she is somebody, I love working with her because she's somebody like I'll be directing a film. And I was like, okay, what about this? And she would straight up be like, no, it needs to be like this. And it's like, actually you're right you're right I can't you know we got and so we went we got like a $300 vanity for one scene but it was awesome and it sells a scene on on top of that
1: there you go So, oh, yeah a little shout out to a uh, to a production designer who is absolutely stunning I've, I've gotten the I've had the pleasure of working with her twice um, uh, brilliant, brilliant young lady who just knocks it out of the park every single time. I hope I get to work with her again in the future. Working with you, if I get to work with you, Jane, I'm definitely going to get to work with Megan. Oh, yeah, absolutely, so. uh, <laughs> she kicks, she, yeah, she she kicks ass. So, but that that is the importance of there. You know that 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 is what I mean. It, I mean, just simple things. And of course, there's, there's tricks you can do with lighting, tricks you can do with camera angles, but creating your 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 set, creating the scene, the background of the scene. Will sell so much more. Not to mention, it helps your actors. It really does. It really helps the actors because once once immersed, you know they can look around and they see what's all around them. They can they can attribute the history to the items there. They can they can look at like the way, what's on the walls or what's on the table or what's in the background and helps them to kind of attach themselves to that moment. It, and they really can sell. It help it helps every aspect of it. So so and Del Toro is a genius, a master. At creating scenes that, that you could just live in. God, I fucking love his work. Oh, and some some of the creepy shit. Devil's backbone just <laughs> whoo. Devil's Backbone was so good. I mean, that was so good, but wow, that was that was a creepy. Oh, the, the 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 kid with the the it was bleeding from his head, but it was like he was underwater, but he wasn't underwater. Ah. So wild. Such cool shit.
0: <laughs> so so definitely take that. Pay attention. Don't skimp out on your art direction. I know people who have shot with cameras and can rival any like medium budget feature film out there because of art direction. Mm -hmm. They know, they know how to light it and you get the art direction on top of that. So definitely do not skimp out on that at all. The lesson to all the filmmakers out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But speaking of del Toro, we have mentioned several of his films and there's plenty more out there. I actually want to ask the audience, what is your favorite del Toro film? Oh, that's such a tough that- Pacific Rim. <laughs> <laughs> but even Pacific Rim, yeah. the art direction was on point.
1: <laughs> Dude, <True. laughs> Id- Id- Idris Elba was fucking amazing in that movie.
0: <laughs> that movie was a lot better than it should have been.
1: All, I'm not saying it's great, I'm just saying it's better than it yeah. should have been. <laughs> The only thing bad, well, there was two things bad about the movie. One, too much darkness. We needed to see those fights lit up. And two, yeah. uh, Charlie Hunnam's accent. What the fuck was that? I, I'm I sorry, no but <laughs> the, Charlie Hunnam is uh, Charlie Hunnam, uh, is English. And, of course, if you watch him in Sons of Anarchy, he's decidedly not English. But he was trying to affect a different kind of, hearing him speaking that just sounded so weird. Because it wasn't the kind of slangish South accent or slangish south twang that he used in sons of anarchy and it was obviously you know the you know the kind of british uh wasn't the english accent that he typically has he was really really weird he just sounded so strange in that um but charlie day he was funny as hell oh yeah
0: <laughs> charlie day is just being charlie day at that point
1: oh yeah oh sorry don't be afraid of the dark i said are you afraid of the dark? don't be afraid of the dark um mama scary stories tell in the dark that just came out yeah,
0: that's really good yeah on top of that, we talk about Hellboy One, Hellboy Two, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, which Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. is just amazing. Um, so there's so there's so many to pick from. But let us know what is your favorite Del Toro film. And Alex, I think we got one more film left. Just one more for tonight. We're gonna we're gonna do a
2: fun one to end this. Uh, <laughs> I really love this movie. I really <laughs> no, do. Uh, this movie was You Might Be the Killer. It came out December Fourth, Twenty Eighteen. Um, this movie was written by brett simmons no i'm sorry directed by brett simmons written by thomas vital and brett simmons i guess it was written by brett simmons too starring franz kranz allison hannigan the allison hannigan I should say uh, Brittany hall jenna harvey brian price patrick walker jack murillo i don't think i left anybody important out
1: Keith, motherfucking oh, David. Fuck, I left out Keith, motherfucking <laughs> David. Like, like the the legend, the legend amongst them.
2: Shit, I left the important person out. <laughs> Leave it to me.
1: I just don't. I just don't believe any of this voodoo bullshit. Do you believe any of this voodoo bullshit? <laughs> uh,
2: this movie was fun, uh, but it's pretty new, and it, not a whole lot of people have seen it. So, without giving a whole lot away, um, a camp counselor blacks out, finds himself surrounded by a bunch of dead bodies. Um, turns to a
1: for anybody who needs context the counselor is played by frank kranz and frank kranz was the stoner in cabin in the woods okay so imagine him in this state (laughs) just just throwing it out there just throw it there alex alex continues
2: that that throws a good twist on it um (laughs) <laughs> turns to a friend who is a uh, horror movie enthusiast as ourselves. wait a second, I think we've talked about this aspect before this idea before, but uh, turns to a horror movie enthusiast for um, answers to what's going on and kind of starts figuring out that he might be the killer. It's kind of kind of plays off. I don't want to give away too much because this is fantastic. Not a whole lot of people have even heard about it, but it is a absolute. Kind of B style '80s campy slasher type scream homage playing fucking great movie.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you
2: know, of course, Alison Hannigan.
0: And then Alice Hanning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this. No,
0: okay. this is this is a fantastic. If you are a fan of slashers, and this is actually like said, so this is a movie I don't want to spoil kills or anything like that. No, because no, because there's so many good you things. You need to that's see. That's gonna be it.
1: hard to tie. <laughs> Yes, yes, people do need to see this because this film was shockingly good despite the fact that it got zero fanfare. Hey, JL, I to say this.
2: Uh-huh, you might what? be the killer.
1: <laughs> I just might be. I think I might be. But I am uncertain. <laughs> um, but yeah, shockingly good, yet no fanfare whatsoever for this poor movie. I do not know why this thing popped up in my VOD. Uh, I think in uh, early 2019. So I was like, what the hell? Alison Hannigan, Frank Cranz. The last time I saw Frank Rans was The Cabin in the Woods. And of course, I loved him in Dollhouse. He was fantastic in that. And the last time I saw Alison Hannigan was uh, How I Met Your Mother. So I was like, well, this is weird. Uh, a horror movie that got past me and just, you know, should have popped up in my VOD one day. So I would like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to watch it. Oh my God, this movie is so great. Where did – but – <laughs> Why did the, nothing whatsoever? No, no marketing. Uh, it did obviously didn't hit theaters. No, I, uh, I think I want
2: to say they. Played I heard one. nothing
1: about the Even even I could, I didn't even hear that the people behind it because the film was produced. Uh, the studio behind it was was Curmudgeon Films of Vital Signs Entertainment, which I which I'm familiar with. I never heard anything on their radar, or nothing came up on my radar that that a movie that Alison Hannigan was doing a horror movie. I should have fucking known about that. Okay, I don't know. It just, it's literally showed up.
2: Yeah, curmudgeon and all of word. But it was, yeah, I think they played it on uh, the, sci- I want to say they played it on the sci-fi channel. I want to say that's, that might have been where I'd even heard of it. Could be totally wrong, though.
1: Well, I do know it debuted at Fantastic Fest and then screened at Toronto and then played some other festivals. Um, no, it wasn't sci-fi, it was Shudder.
2: Oh, yeah, that's probably oh, what problem. it was. Sorry.
1: It was Shutter that it showed, then it was released on Blu-ray, uh, Blu-ray DVD, and uh, I think after it was on Shutter, it was on VOD, and then released DVD, Blu-ray uh, in February, early February of that year. And I caught it on I was on Microsoft, uh, Microsoft, the Microsoft Store. That's where I saw it. it was, you know, cause that's where I used to rent most of my movies before I before I got Amazon. Um, but yeah, uh, it f- filmed in Louisiana. So and I'm here in Texas. I'm actually you know in the industry to it you know uh, not as hardcore as I was when I was in my twenties, but. I'm still in the industry. I still get word about things. Didn't hear anything about this one. You know, it was a relatively small cast. So might know, I mean, there there wasn't really any background stuff. Pretty much everybody in the film had a purpose in the film. It was just kind of like, wow. And I, so I read that the film originated between Sam Sykes and Chuck Wend- Wendig. And they were on Twitter where they'd been uh, discussing – pretty much slasher films and the different tropes of slasher films. They were just kind of in a back and forth banter between the two of them. And amidst this banter, the idea for a film developed and, you know, to be directed by Brett Simmons and then and then uh, Sykes and Wendig would be uh, involved as producers and boom, that's how they got the film started. Very similar to how uh, Kevin Smith and them came up with Tusk. How they pretty much conjured the idea in a podcast and they said, hey, everybody, tell us yes or no if you want us to make the movie. And, every, of course, everybody said yes. Turn a guy into a walrus? Fuck yeah. And then everybody said yes. And so now we have Tusk. Same thing. But they, Sam, ba- they bickered back – or they were going back and forth on Twitter and then all of a sudden we got a fucking movie.
2: Sam and, uh, Sam know, and, and Chuck. <laughs> the thing with Chuck is uh, – because you know they play – those are the two characters in the, in the movie. Chuck, played by Allison Hannigan, is supposed to be short for Charlotte, which – you know, a nickname for females named Charlotte could be Charlie, and so like Chuck. Just like the whole, just even the play on that character's name was fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> I was like Chuck, and then Charlotte, and then I was like, oh, Charlie, yeah, Chuck, okay.
1: And of course, it definitely stands out where you have um, everybody's names in that. Uh, Freddie, uh, Jack Marillo uh, Marilla was Freddie. Cat Bellamy was Drew. Uh Drew Barrymore, Savano DeRamo De- was Nancy, Nancy from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then um, Carol Jean Wells, Heather Heather Langenkamp, Jenna Harvey is uh, Jamie, Jay- Jamie,
2: uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. fucking what? Jesus, Jamie Kennedy
1: uh, from, from uh, Screen, uh, yeah. So yeah, I I, I dug that. They pretty much snagged all the all the name all the major names Ed brought which is I thought was really really cool. Uh, but yeah, it's such, it, it is, it is somewhat tongue in cheek and it is a bit meta because throughout the entire course of the slash film, the main character, uh, Frank Cranz is on the phone, uh, Sam is on the phone to Chuck getting advice on what the fuck he's supposed to do <laughs> because she's the horror movie expert and she works in a fucking video store, in a horror video store of all places. And she, you know, she's obviously giving him all, you know, what he needs to know to figure out what the hell is going on to, you know, to solve the mystery and figure out how to stop the killer. And, and so it's met in that way. It's definitely tongue in cheek. the The writing is fantastic, casting was great, acting was fantastic. And I don't know why this thing slipped on my radar, and that that so I had to look into that, and, and I was shocked, and because this really kind of played out for me, or I finally understood it. I was finally able to grasp it. The politics, there are politics that go into ignoring good films. Yeah. Well, I say there is a yeah. It, it's it speaks to the industry.
0: Yeah, it's. It's a shame because the people who run the talking about the top guys, the top producers out there aren't artists by any way. They're not creative people. They're not. They're business people. They're people with business degrees uh, along that. And they do not care if a film is good or bad as long as it makes money. And they will tank other films if they believe that they're this other this secondary film will make money and all this other kind of stuff, which is a real shame because you get gems like this that they're good. This film should be getting should be all over the place. It should be something that everybody has seen, and then it gets swept under the rug.
1: And of course, you're talking about like you know because a lot of analytics go into this, and a, and a lot of uh, I would guess uh, risk analysis goes into determining what, what film is most likely to generate the best uh, the best return. And so even good films that, that may be smaller or smaller in scope may be tanked purposefully in order to free up merchandising or, or marketing for another film that may project to have a better return on investment.
0: Yeah, and uh, so you'll, you'll get something where people – you'll have filmmakers put their heart and soul into a film and then the studio will go – uh no and they'll shelve it or they just don't understand uh, how good it is because they they don't understand because there are people that are just we want numbers we want this if it doesn't fit into the box that they're looking for then it gets shelved it gets put uh, it gets released on bad times so you get august release dates january release dates because we've all seen we've all gone to theaters in august and january and then see a film that's actually good and you're like wait what this was better than i thought it was going to be because the studio was like no this probably won't be good
1: so just silly i and i hate when that happens of course it is the we've spoken at length about the politics of the film industry and in something so in, in a genre especially a horror genre which is so driven by art and the fact that the vast majority of horror films the vast majority are going to be indie films they're going to be typically lower budget uh Kind of like not top tier casting, unless it's a very, very odd, off- unless it's a script that they pulled directly off the blacklist, you know, which is the the legendary list of like unproduced scripts out there in Hollywood. Unless it's a script pulled off of that one, horror typically is not on it. Horror typically doesn't win awards. I mean, like major awards like, you know, Globes and Emmys and fucking uh, Oscars. But unfortunately, it's also the first to take the hit. Because it's so art driven, unfortunately, it's also usually the first to take the hit. That when a studio has a spate of films that they want to put out, and say they have nine films, and eight of those are like dramas, dramedies, you know, typically they're either going to be dramas, they're going to be dramedies, they're going to be comedies. And then you got maybe two, maybe three that are like fucking, you know, one's a horror film, one's an action film, and one is this or like this. Then their big ones will be the ones they want to market to the best so they'll actually they can yank or they can limit funding to another project in order to ensure that they maximize their ROI which is their return on investment of another particular film and unfortunately horror does usually take those first hits they typically don't get the money that they need up front so people are forced to be creative just like you know like Richard and Adam did on hosts you got to get really really smart with your horror Um, and unfortunately usually they kind of get left out in the cold when it comes to uh, comes to marketing you know, you don't see these things pop up in commercials unless it's a major thing. Like, obviously, we're going to hear all about Scream fucking 5. All right. Now, now I'm, I'm happy to see Ghostface come back again. But, you know, I don't know. It's so, I mean, the first one came out in fucking 96. So,
0: <laughs>
1: I, I don't know. I mean, this is uh, almost 25 years. Yeah. Six. Jesus
2: Christ, 24 years. Yeah, 25 fa-
1: years. Tw- yes. So it's kind of like, I mean, come on, guys, screen five. Mean, of course, then I just heard about, you know, fucking Lethal Weapon Five. It's like, Really? <laughs> wait, wait, I which which is
0: another thing because I hear complaints all the time that Hollywood is out of ideas, is out of ideas, another Marvel film, another this, another that. And I was like, I tell people all the time, there are original films that come out all the time. You've just never heard yeah. of them.
1: You got, and that's unfortunate for us because we got to go looking for him. I tell you, I've I've watched some solid horror films that came out recently. That have come out recently, like The Cabin, like the the or no, the Lodge. The Lodge came out recently. The Lodge was amazing. No fanfare whatsoever. I had to go looking for it. I, I think I caught tr I occasionally, like every couple of weeks, I will look up their vi- Thankfully, we have intrepid YouTubers out there who will compile. Uh, horror trailers, upcoming horror trailers. I watch those almost like every couple of weeks. I'll sit down and I'll just go through several of them to make sure I haven't missed anything, see if there's anything new coming out. Uh, just you know, And sometimes it'll be things like, damn, that should have come out by now, but it never did come out. Or maybe it did and we just didn't hear about it. And I gotta, that's what we got to do in order to stay on top of this because Horror Man Horror gets the short end of the stick. Despite how rabid this fan base is on occasion, and I, l- I fucking love the horror community for this, I mean, few fan bases are as intense and as and as devoted as the horror community. It's not like you have a fucking comedy convention. You don't have comedy conventions. You don't have drama conventions. You have horror conventions, my friend. <laughs> and the people that turn out of those motherfuckers, shit. <laughs> yep. Those
2: are fans. Yes.
1: And I love and I love every one of them. From the from the zombie hordes that show up to the people dressed up as Jason to the To the bad Jasons, to the good Jasons, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I love the love that people have, that the fans have for the genre, and unfortunately, they get the short end of the stick every fucking year. Because I've seen some serious horror contenders that should have been up there, but of course, unless it's like directed by Steven Spielberg or James Cameron or something, whatever, they're they're not going to get the fanfare. I think what was it? uh, What was the last you know major horror film that you could say won awards?
2: I couldn't uh, even tell you off the top of my head. It's been so long.
1: I think Get Out was nominated for
0: Best Picture. Okay,
1: okay, Get Out. But, but I mean, other, and it was. A,
0: other than that, it was
1: a psychological. is a psychological horror film, and I think it was. And I think it was only because. And I, and I, I I'm probably gonna hate mail on this. The, the, the. the the subject matter was topical.
0: No, no. I'll, I'll go and talk about it. It's a matter of kind of the race relations things. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, you <can> <laughs> i have the card and I can go and talk about that.
1: It was topical. It was a topical subject. It came out at a very intense time and was really damning of white people in that. So it resonated. And because it was kind of a ballsy movie to put out there, ooh, Jordan Peele, yeah, ballsy talking about the shit you experience every fucking. You want to day. know?
2: I think the most um, recent one that won a major award was a Quiet Place.
0: Oh yeah, well Qu- Quiet Place won uh, some of the technical awards like sound design and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I mean that was if we're talking most recent. Uh, but before that, yeah, Get Out I think came out the year
1: before
0: that. Uh, no, no, because Quiet no, Place came out 2016. I think Get Out came out 2017.
2: Quiet Place got an award yeah. in 2018 uh, for movie of the year, actually by the American Film Institute.
0: But and it's a shame that it's like that because horror can compete with any other genre. When you look at Tony Collette's performance at Hereditary, holy shit. Why the fuck <laughs> okay, was she so, not why the fuck was she not nominated?
1: Okay, so yeah. So like okay, so I had to look him up, like Oscar winning horror films. So um okay, The Exorcist. Yep. Uh, Silence of the and Lambs. Silence of the
0: Lambs is the last one, right? Uh, the Omen.
1: Uh, no, uh, the, uh, as far as best yeah, as far picture, as best picture. Yeah, that, that one of best picture, yeah. So Silence of the Lambs, uh, Get Out, Hereditary, Black Swan, Jaws, Misery, uh, The Sixth Sense. I see. Um, oh, yeah. So a lot of these, a lot of these are award winning. That they won things like you know. Uh, like best adapted screenplays or best sound design or best produ- like Sleepy Hollow won best production design. Stuff like that. Um, or like like Carrie won uh uh one they were for best actress. And best supporting actress. I think uh I think uh Piper Laurie won for best supporting in that one. But yeah, you don't see. I think I, th- I'm pretty sure Silence of the Lambs* was the last one to win Best Picture. Yeah, I think yeah, Silence of the Lambs* is the last one, and I can't remember a
0: film between Silence of the Lambs* and *Get Out* that was even nominated for Best Picture.
1: I think I think *Rosemary's Baby* was nominated, but I think, but I think it only won for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, I honestly don't. It's it, it, honestly they don't get the love. They, they, really, they really, they really, don't. don't. The politics hate horror. Yeah, it should be an open field, but, you know. Yeah, well, then you get things like
2: this that slip through the cracks and it really sucks.
1: But you know what? It also kind of makes it insular. It really does. It makes it kind of just for us. Just for the horror community. community. We're the ones that get to enjoy it. We get to spread it. We get to fight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Horror, the gift that keeps on giving. You got the clap. Clap.
2: Clap.
1: Oh, American American Werewolf in London. Yeah, that one. Best best makeup in Yeah. For the ooh, that was a good werewolf. I, I fucking Rick Baker, the man. That was Rick Baker, right? Or Was that Sam Winston? Fuck. Yes. Too many, names. Too many both, names. Both? Can it be both? Yeah. Was it both? Was it both? Was it?
2: <laughs> I don't remember. If I was, was my just head. Uh, I was just quoting Road to El Dorado. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Funny, movie.
1: Funny movie. Been a long time since I've seen it.
2: Uh. Anyways, this movie was fantastic you guys should definitely go check it out called you might be the killer um let us know what you think about it uh i want to know before you go and watch it be honest audience have any of you seen this was this on anybody else's radar Uh, because honestly like i because you said it was on shutter now i remember it it popped up as a recommendation after i watched uh 1984 and yeah i saw you know Allison hannigan i was like yeah we'll watch that uh, and then we watched another movie that was about these three teenage girls who invited some guys over to a party and in a flip of movie genre-ness, they ended up drugging the guys. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. Nah, no, it's going to bother me. But anyways, this one. Has anybody seen this one? Let us know. We can gmail dot com.
1: I've got to answer this fucking question. Hang on a sec. It's going to bug me. There are certain things that I think I've committed to memory and then... It turns out that I haven't. So yes. Directed by John Lennon. Rick Baker.
0: Ooh, I was <laughs> <Rick> correct.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, hate, I hate second guessing myself. I really hate it. Oh, man. Um, dang, but yeah, that actually happened to be. And I just totally, I, I was looking it up. And that was, uh, it won Best uh, Makeup and Hair Effects. And that was the first year Best Makeup and Hair Effects was available as, a, as an award. Awesome. That was pretty slick. Well, what a movie to get. Oh, man. Chill. I wish they could get it. Yes,
2: we've got a uh, a Christmas month birthday, huh?
1: Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We, uh, we do have a birthday this first week of December, and I couldn't. I mean, one of my favorite horror legends, born uh, December fourth, nineteen fifty four. Happy birthday to the legendary Tony Todd!
2: Hell yeah! Yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, the the Candyman himself. Uh, what can we say about? Um, Tony God, talks. Can we said uh, that we
2: haven't already. He's come up so many times.
1: <laughs> he has, uh, but you know, uh, he came, um his career kicked off in 1986 in the in the film Sleepwalk. He played Mister Barrington, and then you know was followed up very quickly. Uh, Sergeant Warren in Platoon. Uh, Sergeant Warren. Um, but yeah, everything that I've seen him uh, I've seen him do, uh, I think it was probably his his turn in the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead directed by Tom Savini. Yep. Yep, that's the one where he played where he played Ben. Yes, where I think he really broke out to become the horror icon that he would become. And of course, you know he is Candyman.
2: You know what's ridiculous is how many freaking movies he's got in like uh like pre and post production right now. He has I like, 10, I think he's got fifteen. Oh, dude, like yeah, um and stuff wow. called like like uh, Night Night and Hellblazers and the Lockdown Hauntings and uh, the Oath Outbreak. And it's like, oh, these are these are
1: gonna be good. And so it looks cool. like there's yeah, like I think there's also candy. No, he's... no,
2: that one's already. Candyman just came out, didn't it?
1: Uh, I don't know if it's if it's come no, out. No, you know
2: what? It looks like it got pushed back to 2021.
1: I thi- I think it got delayed. Yep. Yeah, August
2: uh, August 27, 2021. Oh shit, that's gonna be intense.
1: And then, of course, I love the fact that he's the voice. He's the current voice of Darkseid. Yeah. For, yes. for the DC for the DC animated universe, I I can't think of anyone better. There's been some good ones. Um, I think. Uh, uh, the
2: Death and the Return of Superman is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, and also the upcoming uh, the uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Yes. So I think he was also he also the voice of him in Reign of the Supermen as well. So I love the fact that he took over that he took over for it. Um. Uh, I mean, pretty much everything is horror, which is amazing. Oh, so. It's, so, it's uh, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, the deck collector. <laughs> the <Barbossa laughs> the deck <debt> collector. <laughs> I just I love. I love how like his demeanor is, and he's able to nail it. Because oh, we've talked about it before, even in like the Final Destination series, where he's the good guy trying to explain things, and even the characters are like, "Uh, <laughs> <you're> kind of creepy." <laughs> he's
2: just he's just death. I mean, he's just death incarnate.
1: And of course, we can't forget, you know, he was Kern in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Of he was a uh, uh, Worf's brother. Yes. Yes. I wanna
2: say he played on an episode of um the Orville too as like a
1: homage to he he was. Uh he was, uh, he was the Mocklin yeah, delegate. That's right,
2: that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I swear I saw him on there not too long ago. I thought it was
1: pretty cool, was pretty cool he showed up in season three of of the T V series Scream. Yes. And uh, his character had a hook for his character hook had a for hook for a hand, hand. <laughs> so we we almost got we almost got a Candyman Ghostface showdown, which is pretty slick. Uh, I thought that was cool. Uh, but for all you video gamers out there, he is also the voice of Admiral Tommy Briggs yep. in Call of Duty Black Ops Two. That was
2: one that I, I that was, was one slick. that I I picked out. I wasn't even paying attention. I heard it and I snapped to the TV real quick and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just um, an amazing actor who is still going strong. He's got I mean he's got video game work coming out, he's got Half-Life Alex coming out and uh he plays the voice of Vortigaunt in that one, and then of course, still crushing it on TV. I think he was in um I think his last one was Leap of Faith and he was on uh uh it was in the T V film uh The Oath Outbreak. And then of course, like you said, film wise Oh my God! He's the kid. The guy is unstoppable. He it's is. Just, he's a beast. He's, he's like he's stops. churning them out. I, I, oh, he's a, he's only 60, he's sixty five. Oh, he, he's sixty six years young. Oh come on! He's got plenty of years left in him. We're gonna get plenty of Tony Todd. Yeah, like there's. Like I'm said, trying to
2: think. There was a movie that I just saw him in where he played a. He was a military guy, like a general or something.
1: Well, he uh, he, well, a general. I don't, I don't know. know it was, I think I remember he. He played it. He played military in the Rock.
0: I, I do. I love that quote where he's like, "With Nicholas Cage, <laughs> he's like, ever listen to Elton John? I don't listen to that pussy ass shit.
1: <laughs> I don't like soft ass shit.' You know how this works? You know how this shit works, <laughs> bro. I didn't realize that he was
2: uh, the voice in uh, Dota or Dota Two.
1: Did I didn't know that either. In uh, Defense of the Defense Defense. Oh shit! Defense of the yeah. Ancients, uh, Dragon no Knight, shit. Night Stalker and Viper of oh, the Dragonite. That's nice. I have no idea. <laughs> that is badass. And then, of course, you know the new uh, Candyman, the new Candyman coming out. I believe he has a smaller role in that one. Um, what the hell? God, his filmography, his filmography is like intimidating. Yeah, there's there's so much. Okay, there we go. And Tales from the Hood three, which just released, I saw that in VOD. I have not had a chance what to the watch fuck? It there's yet.
2: There's a third one. Um, what?
1: There's a third one now. <laughs> 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 and a whole bunch of stuff: uh, Bulletproof 2, Realm of Shadows, Stoker Hills, All Gone Wrong, Requiem. Uh, God, just amazing stuff. So I'm so glad he is still working. I hope to see so much more from him. I love his work. Whatever he does, he does comedy. Uh, he does drama. Um, some of his dramatic roles are some of it are absolutely some of his best. I loved his turn in the X Files uh, when he played the soldier that had been through the experiment that took away his sleep.
0: Oh man, it's been so long since I've watched the X Files.
1: You always got to go back and watch the X Files a couple of times. You just got to go back and kind of check back in with it. Um, yes, Augustus D. Cole in the in the in the episode Sleepless. He because he was that was absolutely a dramatic, vulnerable role. If, I mean, if you imagine someone like Tony Todd being vulnerable. It's really impressive. He's such a talented actor, and I love that he's in horror. I love that he's a horror staple. But I wish he, I do wish he got more opportunities to go to that vulnerable side. I was up to really showcase though his his real range, which is very very impressive. So if you can, just definitely check out those ones. Get get those opportunities to see Tony Todd kind of, kind of Tony Todd kind of break away from the the horror standard that he set. But you know, he's a legend. He's an icon. We love him to death. So um, happy birthday, Tony! Happy birthday,
2: Tony! Happy birthday, Tony! And that closes out another episode of Week in Horror. Thank you all so much for listening, and we truly hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can visit us at WeekendHorror.net, where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store at Teespring, and of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win Mystery Horror shirt every month. For more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out at Facebook and Twitter. Followers get our daily splatter, a bit of horror info every day, right to your feed. You never know what you may discover about your favorite horror films. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. We'll be switching to a live format soon for the podcast, and of course, we do giveaways on there. Subscribe to our channel for the latest from the show. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here and like, and are able to support our production, you can, through our PayPal and our Patreon. We have tiers as low as $1, bonus and exclusive content, and horror films every month. Links to everything, including our Discord community, where you can interact with us directly, are below. But we know that these are trying times, and things are extremely tight. As always, simply liking and sharing this show to your local core community is always the absolute best way to help us continue to grow. We appreciate each and every one of you for your continued listenership. I'm Alex. I'm Eugene.
1: And I'm JL.
2: We'll see you next week. And as always, stay scared.